Thank you, Rachel, for speaking to me about your film, Broken Bird. Now, your film was supposed to show at South by Southwest, but unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances, oh, um, it, it wasn't able to show, but it has been able to be screened at certain, at certain events, and people have been able to see it privately. And so your film is about a young girl, Birdie, and she is, she's, 13 years old and she's preparing for her bat mitzvah so this is the day before her bat mitzvah and the film begins very interestingly in the fact that it shows her getting ready and having her hair prepared for uh, flat ironing and it goes through the process of BC getting washed and conditioned and flat ironed and I wanted to ask you about that but because a bat mitzvah is supposed to be a transition for um, young girls as they go from preteen into teenage and then into adulthood where they accept their um their heritage and their and, and it's a it's an affirmation of their faith. So I wanted to ask you about using the the shot of her having her her hair washed to connecting it to preparing for her bat mitzvah. Yeah, of course. Thank you for for speaking with me. Um, I think at that moment when Birdie is preparing for her bat mitzvah, she's being told that the ceremony is supposed to be the indication that she's an adult, that she has graduated into this new chapter. And I, a lot of it does feel artificial to her. And a lot of it feels like a symbolism in her face that she doesn't quite attach herself to or hasn't found her own way to align with or incorporate into her own life. And I think part of one's struggle during that time of just coming of age, um, it involves your hair and how people perceive you. And for black women especially, hair is a big component of how we feel we're perceived. I know um, for Birdie, she's going through the experience of flattening her hair, of processing it, of making it straight, and in my view, partly making it seem more white to fit in with what she believes are standards of beauty. And so I think that taking it upon herself to change it at this moment, at this stage, before she has her bat mitzvah is a really wonderful, brave step of claiming and identity, even if she's still unsure, she she does something herself. She embraces her natural hair, and um, the time feels right for her to do it. Right, and so the thing with Birdie is that she's biracial. So there's this whole part where she she, she has two identities, and so one her mother's um her mother's white, and her dad is black. And with with this transitioning of her changing her hair from one state to another, is also a, kind of a reflection of her. Um, showing the two parts of herself and her of her ethnic identities and it's interesting because um like you talk about like for black women our hair means a lot to us our hair is um it can be an outward portrayal of how we feel and for and for black women we we've always struggled with having to do certain things to our hair to to be accepted by society or to not be judged and part of that has to do with like for relaxing our hair or straightening it and for some people it looks as it's it's a it's like denying our ethnicity but for some people it's not and and for birdie this could just be a way of her learning Mm -hmm. to move through these two spaces right like you have to like learn to fit in to the two spaces that you belong in right and so i and so i wanted to discuss Mm -hmm. that a little bit where for her there's dealing with her religious ethnicity as a jew but then there's also her racial ethnicity 
definitely, I think also with her hair, her, it's partly a critique perhaps on the association of the straightness being with whiteness, but I, I also associate the ability to do one's hair with family. And so I, I do appreciate that the opening scene is supposed to conjure that idea, that nostalgic feel of learning those skills from some other figure. And sometimes that person who knows how to do your hair is your mom, and sometimes it's not. And so just also exploring at, at the same time as Birdie is, how, how do I understand my identity? How do I understand what's on my head? And um, part of that exploration does feel like you're pushing one race or one group of people um, away and pulling one closer. I know for Birdie, it's a, a seesaw between her parents and her parents. There are many qualities of them that are opposing, but I think she feels in a way that by welcoming one in, she is making the other feel like she's closing them off, but she's incorporating everybody into her own unique identity. Right. And for you, because like the film is um, kind of semi-autobiographical because you yourself are biracial and you have gone through the process of preparing for a bat, for a bat mitzvah and then doing it and having the same similar experience as, as Birdie. And for you, like, how did you go through the process of finding the, the I guess you could say, the visual symbol, symbols that you wanted to use to portray this change that you yourself went through? Because the hair washing is, 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 is part of that and that's something that you would have gone through yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wanted to show both that the relaxing, cozy aspect of getting your hair done, of having someone run their hands through it. It's a really intimate experience that you're, you're letting someone into and also contrasting that with the dedication of the process of going through upkeeping something that we decide we want part of our identity, not not even a critique, but just having your hair be part of your outward expression. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I just lost my train of thought with the, the studs and thinking about getting, getting my hair washed. But <laughs> I, I do think that I wanted a lot of the imagery to convey both of those elements and but but leave you feeling with Oh, it's a theme of the pro- the hot comb and the burning and feeling like she's constantly putting it up and hiding it, that she's not content with it and having a lot of the shots of her just hiding and, and being clearly discontent with how she is is showing herself to the world. Just She's subdued through, through most of the film. And then I wanted her to break out of that. And I wanted part of that freedom, that exhilarating process to be um, shown through flight and through birds and through lightness, but also through dance and being able to move your body, especially in a place like Temple, where um, I, I, I personally felt mentally constricted, um, but also as, as someone I spoke to recently pointed out, it's, it's quite a symbol, potentially offensive symbol, to have someone dancing on the bima, the stage where the Torah is kept uh, barefoot. But um, in general, I'd say the most important part of the imagery is just that I had zero references of black Jews 
pretty much. I <laughs> I've pulled so many clips of other films that I love for their tone and color and um, composition, but I could never find images that showed stories of me or stories that I wanted to tell. So I'm just really proud to kind of inject the universe with more images of, of different experiences. Right, and you mentioned um, her uh, uh, the fact that you don't you you you've never gotten to see a um, representation of Black Jews on on film or even on screen, and particularly Black female Jews. And so, like um, like we all know, like last year Tiffany Haddish she celebrated her 40th birthday by having a bas mitzvah ceremony. So it's interesting that we have her doing that and making it such a a big event. But she because she was like, I'm going to celebrate this, but then you have all of these celebrities and everything, but the important thing was that she felt she felt so um, in love with her culture and her and her heritage that she was like, I'm going to make this as big an event as I as I can be. And the same thing for kind of for Bertie because the last because it's the last shot of the film, but it's that you you mentioned her dancing through the aisles and then going up onto the beam and dancing. And like you said, for some people that might seem irreverent, but I I saw it as a way of her celebrating her heritage and like she's like I'm free and she and it's in a space where you could feel uncomfortable because like for some people they won't feel comfortable doing that either in temp in um, synagogue or in a church or wherever but she's she felt free enough to do it and she's like look at me mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy where I am with her hair let down and her hair in its natural state so it's, 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 it's important that we get to see those kind of images I I totally agree I, I do have some you know, one of my favorite films is A Serious Man by the Coen Brothers. Mm-hmm. But even with that film, and most films I see that are coming of age are tales are, are boys. And um, just the vocabulary of saying bat mitzvah, daughter of God, has, is, isn't really seen in the media. Mm-hmm. And and it's and it's not that I used to, like for the uh, for, uh, there's scenes in the film where she's practicing the Torah and she's practicing her um, her recitation of passages from the Torah, and that's also something that we don't typically get to see because it's not only she's she reading in Hebrew but you're we're like you the camera focuses on the words and you see the pen lord I can't remember the actual name for the term for it but it's like moving across and she's practicing the words and mm-hmm. there's in the beginning she's stumbling and she's unsure of how to pronounce it and like they're finding her rhythm and how to and how to and how to do her recitation but then there's the the other part is that she meets with her dad and that's another big part of the plot of the stories where she's trying to find this footing in this relationship with her dad and it's kind of and it's something that literally just occurred to me but it's kind of like the way how she's finding her 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 comfort in the language um and then also trying to find her comfort and her place with her dad and they kind of like works um they they kind of like parallel each other and mm-hmm. and for him he tells her to find to like to find her own to find her own rhythm and he's like do what makes you comfortable like work make it work for you and and um and it kind of and it works out in the fact that she does this by listening to his old disco records and um mm-hmm. as she does about listening to someone like donna summers and this is a and disco is a very big part of like black culture like music is a very big part of black culture and it's interesting to see her use black music to find a way for her to interpret what she's reading and to understand it and to feel comfortable with it i i love disco music i love many genres and eras of music that aren't necessarily my own generations and I think partly because um, my my dad 
I, I think both my parents love music, but I really just discovered their love of music through the stories that they would share of each other. And those are really rare, but always triggered by music. And I, I would always visualize the outfits they were wearing and the setting that they were in. And I, I think I'm writing scenes around, around those experiences in my mind, something there's always very homey and nostalgic about music and specifically uh, disco dance music and of these black figures that are just these powerful, beautiful idols like Donna Summer. Um, there's a lot of other imagery that we shot. Some made it into the film of Tina Turner and, and some other really fabulous people um, that I looked up to growing up. Uh, I remember actually dressed up as Tina Turner for Halloween, maybe in fifth grade. And of course, no one knew who she was. But um, I, I think that's part of Birdie's spirit also is that uh, she's finding a connection to different people, no matter the circumstance, no matter if they're relevant, no matter if they're constantly present in their life, like her father, um, and so on. Hmm. And so I want to ask you about the the casting for for the characters because and particularly for Birdie and her dad Andre played by Chad L. Coleman. So Birdie is played by Inigo Hubbard Sock. So um, she she was in. Um, Spike Lee's She's All That. So can you tell me about the casting process and how you um, how you discovered um, Indigo and what was the process of casting her and then casting um, Chad? Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm, I'm so lucky because I, I saw many actors for all the roles and they had each adapted the story um, in their own way that I felt was very compelling and I think validated that the story was really relatable and worth telling. Um, but the, the situation with, with Indigo, um, Spike Lee is one of the professors at school and I had the opportunity to show him the script and get his notes about it and his suggestions. And he asked me if I had ever seen Indigo and we watched a couple of scenes from that show she's got to have it and and she just was glowing you could tell she has such screen presence um, and a maturity that I, I thought was right for the role and, and like connected me with Indigo and her family who have all been a really wonderful source of support um, throughout this whole process and that's been wonderful um, with, with Chad I had a similar you know, super grateful experience with another Tisch professor, Abigail Beth, who had worked with Chad in uh, theater production and at some other works that um, she found that he might be interested in the role. And I remember the first time I, I talked to Chad on the phone, I was so nervous because I'm a fan of pretty much everything he's been in, but just, I had never really worked with actors before, so there, there were a lot of new moments during this process, but um, as soon as he picked up the phone, just his tone of voice and the things he was saying, he was so caring and um, connected exactly with me and what I wanted to tell, which was... Um, I, I just felt grateful as an artist that that happened, and, and I'm eager. I'm eager to work with both of them, and I'm 
grateful they both came into my life. Mm. And as you said, you, you have never worked with actors before because this is your first film. And and for going from someone as who's never done, um, who's never created a film, but to making one that is that is very personal for you and has a, and it's a story that you are intimately familiar with. What was that process like for you? I think that in order, I was very nervous because I I think working with actors for me. Um, was hard to learn in an academic setting. I didn't really have many opportunities um, in class, I guess. But, um, and I just kept, before this, I, in all of our exercises, I just kept producing a lot of documentary work where I, I think I just had to overcome my own shyness of being able to direct the actor um, it, just in, in the homework exercises even when the stakes were very low. Um, but on set, everything just changed. I think the first day we just woke up and arrived and it all came into place and it just felt like what I was meant to do. Uh, I knew everyone there I knew wh why they wanted to be there I knew what they were doing and uh, the roles and everything was re produced really well we we were very open to each other which I think uh, the tone and the environment is what made the film so successful it was my vulnerability and, and people around me being very vulnerable and just eager to ask questions and um they, knowing that it was my first time, but being really respectful that I knew what I was doing, and I and I did, and I'm eager to do it again. I definitely learned something at every single step, and I'm eager to show what I learned and, and kind of not not even correct mistakes, which I definitely viewed a lot of the situations once upon a time as mistakes, but now I just view them as opportunities that I'm excited to explore again. Mm. And because for you, you, you wrote, directed, produced, and edited the film. So you wore literally almost all the hats on the, on, on during production, mm -hmm. which, which was the most challenging aspect for you? I think editing definitely was. I would love in the future really to work with someone on, on all the roles. I'm, <laughs> when you said it like that, it looks like I don't like to collaborate, but I think <laughs> it's just like I'm here and I'm, I'm going to be the one to do it, I guess. But uh, specifically with editing, I, I would love to have seen um, other people's take on it. I know that my cinematographer, Rashad, he took a wonderful take at it and um, was involved in a lot of the stages and discussions we had about what should happen. Um, but ultimately, I think the struggle was that it was semi-autobiographical and my first film so I was trying to say a lot I was trying to say this, an equal amount of good things for each of the parents and bad things and make everything very fair and balanced and um, that's not what the story was about it wasn't really about either of the parents but I think just in that whole process of um, what does it look like to have just a very mathematical view of it um, made me realize it needs only be birdie it needs to cut everything out it was much longer it included a lot more but 
um, it, it says way more now that um, some of the elements of other people have been removed. I think that when Bertie walks into the temple at the end, you understand that loving people have been in her life and she's absorbed that and she is confidently walking into life, you know, on her own. Hmm. So did you always, so for the last scene with her in, in Temple, did you always know that that was the scene that you wanted to end with? Or was that just something that organically um, occurred as you were filming and like, writing the script? When I was writing the script, I always wanted to see her inside the temple in some celebratory way, but I never had written a line in the script or maybe maybe that's not true i think towards the end i just wrote it in so i wouldn't forget <laughs> to shoot it but it was definitely um i think i'm still developing my style and um, a lot of broken birds includes uh references and styles that i love and that i've seen and want to emulate and learn from and and a lot of ways of portraying information that perhaps I would want to revisit. Um, so I think that that temple scene is definitely one of the ones that I think is part of my style of this dreamlike, um, inside one's mind experience that I, I hope to do more of. But <laughs> definitely writing things like that in, in the earlier drafts of other works that I'm doing. Yeah. So and so I so I went. So the next thing is the title of the film. So it's called Broken Bird. And anyone using hearing that name is going to think that the the film might be about some tragic story. Like, oh my gosh, is she having some kind of mm -hmm. like existential crisis with her parents or, or or with her her heritage or whatever? But it's actually totally the opposite. So I want to ask you why the name Broken Bird? Because the name the word broken could have like negative connotations. And then when you think of a bird, mm -hmm. you think of a bird maybe with a broken wing who's injured. And the character's name is Birdie. And, but then when you watch it, you realize that it's anything but, she's, she's anything but broken, right? And it, and it ends on a happy mm -hmm. note and a, and, a, and a upbeat moment. And so I wanted to ask, so, so the name, why? Why broken? <laughs> Definitely all those feelings. I think just saying broken, it's really harsh. It's a harsh label that I remember um, was used in my direction, sometimes in in sentences where people were supposed to be really complimentary or they were trying to be caring. They'd be like, oh, you're, from your broken home, what can I do for you? Uh, and it was just something that made me feel like an outsider. And just generally when I hear it, it sounds very derogatory. It sounds very... Um, permanent too and I think that I wanted to explore both of those aspects in the story that um, perhaps these people have been given titles or labels or set expectations upon them but um, everyone has the opportunity to change and I think Birdie is she has the choice of whether to be hopeful and optimistic towards her father or to shut him out and not trust that he can deliver more. And I think that in the end, you can see that he's given a lot to her and she's heard and received that and grown from it. Um, and there's hope in the future, I think, that their relationship will grow. Mm. So that's, that's my take on Broken Bird. <laughs> I think uh, I was always kind of into birds growing up and I definitely like the imagery of um, a bird finding 
a new home by flying away and, and becoming an adult and as part of a, a necessary part of nature. Right. And you the process you have to go through. Yeah, and you, you talk and so no, it's, it's, you talk about the process and finding and like the bird finding itself, but also you, you mentioned your your you you're discovering your own filming style and the way you tell stories. And one of the things that's interesting about the film is there's um quite there's close-ups but the close-ups aren't always of the characters but they're like of the things around them like there's close-ups of birdie reading the torrents so like the camera focuses on the words on the pages or there's like the close-ups of we, we talked about the the disco albums on the vinyl so there's close-ups of that there's close-ups of her hair showing the texture of her hair and there's close-ups of her when she at the end where she decides she she wants to when she's having her bad her bad smits, but she wants her hair in its natural state and there's closeness of the texture of her hair and and there's all of these and there's and there's all of these interesting things where you get to see things from her perspective and and how she feels about things it's kind of like almost a tactile thing where you, um, and i guess like for me as someone who knows what um what like black hair feels like the texture and the difference they like, when i watch it and I, I can imagine the texture of her running her hands through her hair and it feels and that like, you can almost have this where this I, I don't know what it is but it's almost like i can feel the pages as she's like pushing or like going over them and turning the pages and i wanted to ask you if that's something that you that is just something came naturally to you as you were filming like these were what you wanted to get like intimate close-up uh, moments off that are was that just something that Rashad your, your cinematographer um that you developed as you were going along I have I think I've always been intrigued by close-ups I, I definitely have a lot in my lookbook for that film um and a couple of other people helped with the photography as well. And I, I do want to credit um, my friend, uh, Josh Dario, who did a lot of the close-ups, particularly with the um, the washing of the hair scene. I, I think that the close-ups in this film do a good job of putting you in the character's perspective, but also showing how she spends time alone and so these objects take on maybe a greater importance for her than they might for other people a lot of ordinary objects like um, the fortune cookie fortunes or uh, the little things in her room that she's stored just uh, not in a, a materialistic way but I think that's what's interesting about the purse is that it could be perceived as um, a materialistic obsession or interest, mm -hmm. but it's really about connection and a symbolism of the time spent around that the activity of acquiring that thing or seeing a movie. Um, so I, I think a lot of the close-ups are, are drawing attention to those things, um, including her hair, which I, I think definitely is treated like an object separate and apart from people in general, but from Bertie um, throughout this process until she finds a way to make a connection with it. Right. Well, for the purse, to me, I didn't think it was a materialistic thing because it had nothing to do with like the brand or whatever. It was just for me. It was like this is something that she received from her dad, and and like we we you, you can tell that there they there is some tension in their relationship. But this is this is a token from him to her, showing that he he thinks of her and he's doing mm -hmm. something for her and for her like. 
because for her, like looking at it, she's like, okay, this is for my dad. And like she even jokes, cause she's like, he, she jokes that it's like, it's, it's, uh, it's fake, that it's a knockoff. And like anyone would think that that's a put down or whatever, but he didn't take it because it's just a, a like moment for them. But then you see her with it again, showing that she does consider it and it does mean something to her because if it didn't, she wouldn't be walking around with it. And there's all of these little things mm-hmm. that show that because like, like there's a close up of her in the diner where the camera focuses on the her necklace, which is a, a Star of David. And, and it's in this scene that you hear her dad actually sing in Hebrew. And I think that those are just very interesting um, visual combinations where you see her wearing the Star of David and then you see her dad, who's a black man, um, singing Hebrew. And, and that's something, again, you don't see on TV. You don't see black people, like, um, especially if they're Jewish, like, I guess because it was a word, reveling in their, in their, in their, uh, in their ethnicity and their, their religious um, heritage. And I, I think that's just an important thing to see. I definitely think it's an important thing to see. I, uh, I know that sometimes people shy away from trying to be seen and trying to participate is um, just the experience of having so much attention drawn towards them in other ways that um, puts people, uh, feels, people feel a lot of pressure and expectations to behave a certain way. Mm-hmm. I know I've expressed that to um, the handful of black Jews that I've spoken with, and I know that we felt to varying degrees um, hesitation to either be really good or to be really dismissive of religion. Just what does it mean? And and people um, being really aware of how you're reacting in almost every circumstance just has an impact in our behavior. And so I think if we have more portrayals of embracing, of lifting oneself up, um, that will just become another narrative that we can contribute to help inspire people Mm. and widen their, their perspective. Right, because it's not only that you're trying to get them to be comfortable in showing this, but the thing is, like, if you watch, when we, when we watch a lot of films or with um, with black characters, and if they're singing a religious song, it's always a Negro spiritual. And usually, when we're singing, it's when they're singing a Negro spiritual, it's because something bad has happened. But the thing is, is like for 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 us, like for black people, like we we can sing Negro spirituals or any type of song, whether it's a disco or Motown or hip hop or whatever. We can we sing them when we're happy, we sing for all, like all emotions. But when usually when I'm watching films and like people break into some kind of song like that. So it's a mournful moment. It's like, oh my gosh. And it's like, we sing these songs when we're happy too. And for, and to see, and to see Andre singing this song, it's in a, it's in a happy moment, right? Because it's in a moment where he's telling her, be free, be comfortable in your, in, in who you are. And he just, and he doesn't care who's watching. And it, it's a short moment. Like he sings probably like one line, but it's still, it's, it's, a, it's, it's it says a lot. In fact, he's like, he's comfortable in who he is. And he's singing this loud in his, in his loud baritone voice. And he's just like showing his daughter, be comfortable. Like, don't let those around you stifle, stifle your, um, your, your joy, as we would say. Yeah, I exactly. I think I, I I hope to draw on that moment myself. I definitely censor a lot of my own thoughts and and behaviors in certain settings that I wish that I feel hold me back or hold this deeper engagement and connectedness uh, a little bit, but. That's another story. <laughs> yeah, no, like we we have to learn to like grasp these moments of like happiness. Like me, I've 
I'm the kind of person when I'm when I'm listening to music, I, I I'm always singing along to the music, and or dancing or whatever. Like that's me. And I I used to be very self conscious about singing in public. Not like singing at the top of my lungs, but I I'd be at, at the bus stop, mm-hmm. and I I want to sing a song. And I'd be like too worried about whoever is watching me. And it's only like recently, yeah. I'm like, you know what? I can't be bothered these people. I'm like happy. I'm enjoying myself. I'm gonna do my little. I'm gonna do my little dance or sway at the bus stop while I'm waiting for the bus and like just be in the moment. And I think that's something we need to see more. We need to see, especially for Black people. I want to see more, more mm-hmm. where we're just enjoying ourselves in the moment, whether that's in real life or on screen. I want more, more, more of those kind of moments. Yeah, that's me too. Me too. Yeah, and and so for you for. Uh, so, like you, you, you kind of hinted at it, but you talked about like just finding comfort in this thing. So, like, is that something that you're looking forward to doing for your next project, like dealing with these different aspects of um, of identity? Where, like, for instance, um, Broken Bird is about religion and about transitioning for um, for from like preteen to um, teen, and then ad- ad- transitioning and accepting who you are. But are there other aspects of like identity or? just personhood that you want to discover into film definitely i this short is adapted from a longer feature where i hope to get well where we get to explore in depth every more perspectives than were shown in the in the film and understanding a little bit more of um, Birdie's relationship with her mom, um, how it changes over time, uh, how her parents met, uh, understanding more of her father's background. So, um, which is really important to me because um, something I want to explore in general is just destigmatizing and demystifying. Uh, concepts around drug use and, and alcohol use. Um, I, When I was growing up, the films that I would watch were probably the films that were more geared to adults, but they had subject matter and characters going through things that I related to and I thought were interesting and that I wasn't really talking about with my own peers. So um, I, I'm hoping that uh, some of this feature and, and other work really start to work, incorporate that, but also in the same broken bird spirit of um, there's hope and goodness in these people. And um, it's kind of just when you cast them aside, that's when that can light the fire of hope, perhaps. Um, Or or just what do characters have to hope for in in forging relationships with each other? um, Definitely a lot of that. Ah, some funny things, I hope, but <laughs> currently uh, the idea of, of casting and location scouting, it all sounds so <laughs> so far away in these corona times, but I'm, I'm excited for you know, to, to collaborate with people that I've met in school and with people that um, I got to meet at the Berlin Film Festival where Broken Bird premiered and um, met people that I don't know it's it's I, I never assumed really when I go anywhere I'm gonna make friends <laughs> it sounds silly but just I was surprised by how wonderful the connections are to people that I've I've met recently who I have written with already and have discussed their next ideas you know, over Skype already so 
um, it's, it's coming. It's all happening still. <laughs> no, um, it would be great to see because we need more films, especially more coming of age films by about black girls and about black young black people by more black women. And that's something that we that we definitely do need up more of because there's like a few coming up. There's like um, oh my gosh, there's something called um something spades. It's it's being released soon. And that we need more of those kind of films. And I would love to see what you do because just in this chart, in this film, that you've, you've put a lot of story into the film. And I would love to see how you expand it. And you show, like, you show like Birdie going through more of the process of going through the Batsmith's friend and the after effects of her, of her doing that. And then like, how that changes her as a person. And that would be something to, to see. That would be something really great to see on film. And I would love to see you make more of those films because like those kind of stories always are, are always very impactful for me and for other people because there's always something within ourselves that we could see into these characters. That's like I was speaking to a friend where she was saying, oh, as she wrote this, she wrote this story called Tension. And and um and they she we, it's it's about hair and she's like she her her call she's called she's biracial like she's half um jamaican and her and half chinese and we were talking about how how sometimes you can have an ex, a very specific story but it can have a universal um context and like even though it, it focuses on her experience as a as a young biracial girl dealing with the same kind of like hair situation that you talked about with birdie putting up her hair and all that kind of stuff like I myself found things that I connected with, even though I, I have a completely different background to her. And for someone like Birdie, like her, like her background is different to mine, but I still found, I found a lot of um, things that I connected with, like such as with her hair and like the relationship she has with her dad and everything. So it would be great to see more of those kind of stories because there's something that we all can relate to. Uh, I, I am excited by that. I, I do too. Uh, I I think the, the experience that Birdie goes through that I, I like to explore is, is code switching and mm-hmm. again with the having to deal with expectations of that way you're supposed to act specifically in different groups of people if it's because of race or gender or religion I I definitely find that um, a compelling and. and experience that I think I, I write about perhaps to understand more about what I what I do and what people have said to me and um yeah yeah, no. you know, one size does not fit all for sure no for sure like every story is unique and that's one of the things I love about filmmaking is there's always something that even if it's a film that I may not like there's always something that I can still find interesting and filmmaking is um, I think I had mentioned this before, like, uh, filmmaking is can be considered very um, subjective because it's all uh, it's always told from the perspective of the writer and the director and the people who make it but the people who are to the audience like we can still find something that we relate to and that's the beauty of film like everyone isn't going to take the same interpretation from it like we all find something different in it that we can either like or dislike but that's what makes it so compelling like there's always something that we can find in a film no matter how good or how bad it is (laughs) I totally agree. I love, I love film. I love is definitely or film is is like medicine. Feels like. Yeah, it's it's a great sometimes. it's a great movie. I love it. I, I watch a too, way too much TV sometimes, but I don't care. Um. <laughs> no, that that's part of it. I think that uh, I think the storytelling. I don't know. You're you're a critic, so I'm sure 
your brain works in a certain way when watching things. But I, I definitely, when I watch everything, I'm analyzing the scene structure and the dialogue and, you know, what if it were written from another person's perspective? Maybe, maybe to make it better sometimes if I'm being sassy, but really just like, what would my style be on this <laughs> TV show, whatever, you know? Yeah, no, that's my brain. I'm very the way I, I, I when I take in when I'm watching something, I'm always like paying attention. I'm a very visual person, so I usually look at what's going on in the scene. Like this, like I pay attention to like cinematography, like where props are, mm. and like the things mm-hmm, that the characters mm-hmm. do with their hands. I pay very, like, I pay a lot of attention to like people's hand <laughs> movements ah, and their facial expressions. Yeah, I think it's because I mm. talk with my hands. I I do a lot of talk with my hands. So I always pay attention to how people move their hands when they're talking <laughs> when I'm watching t- film. <laughs> So, wow. yeah, I'm, th- I'm going to think about that. Yeah, I, really, I, yeah, seriously. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting thing. Like, I'm always looking to see where people, what people do with their hands. I'm like, I don't trust you because you put your hand there. Um. <laughs> oh, well, I definitely do that about real people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so again, so again, thank you so much for speaking with me about your film, and I really do hope that a lot of people get to see it because it's a lovely film. It's a short film, but again, as I said, you've you've, you've told like almost a complete story um, in this film, and I would love more people to see it. Um, and Indigo, she's very like she's very special. I love the way she like her acting felt very natural to me. Like there's you can tell there's she felt the character, and I love when you can watch a film and you and you can the the act you can tell the actor is comfortable in the in the role, and she feels very comfortable. And I just hope more people get to see it. And it sucks that South by Southwest had to had to be canceled, but there's nothing we can do about it. But again, I look forward to see what you do in the future. Oh, thank you so much. I'll definitely keep you posted. I and whoever watches it, I you know, I love hearing what you think and what you're working on. So you know, keep it coming. <laughs>